Hi, welcome to the Neshamas podcast. We at Neshamas are on a mission to empower our community and promote mental and emotional health primarily through education. We'll listen to personal experiences, the pain and struggle of mental illness, and how members of our community have emerged with a message of hope and healing. My name is Moshe Dolchanan. I am a professional life coach with over a decade of experience in addiction recovery and self-development. Please join me. Listen to the stories of these heroes and know that you are not alone. This week's episode is sponsored in honor of Fega Devora Chaim Mushka Bas Shoshana for Irfur Shalema Ukrova. Welcome back to the Neshamas podcast. Today, we are honored to have Leah Banda. She's 26 years old, grew up in Borough Park, and moved to Crown Heights about two years ago. Leah is here to share her experience feeling lost, sad, and disassociated in her younger years and struggling to just accept and be herself. Today, she has, Baruch Hashem, learned how to be okay with her feelings and open up to hope, connection, and life's blessings. She openly shares a part of herself on her Instagram page called Mastering Me, where she shares openly about her mental health, spirituality, struggles, triumphs, and more. Welcome, Leah. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. You're very welcome. We thank you. The first thing that comes to me is when we met on the on a Rosh Hashanah retreat, right? And you had a mission. Can you share what the mission is? Do you remember? Yeah. So that was a really great retreat, and I still think about that a lot. It was right when I started Mastering Me, which is my Instagram account. And I'm st- I was like really I was starting off something that I wasn't even sure where I was going with, but I just felt this like strong desire to like do something and talk about like mental health and talk about myself and just get in tune with that part of myself that I was shutting down for so long. And that opportunity came up for me. And I remember sharing at the table on Friday night. And I think that was like one of the first times that I like publicly believed in myself to even speak up and to share about something that I was passionate about. I felt like a real connection being able to share something deep with these people. And it really made me, it gave me this like empowerment to keep going forward. And ever since then, I think it's just gone from strength to strength. What was happening in your life at the time that inspired that mission? It's a good question. I don't, I'm not really sure. And I kept saying that when I first opened my account that people kept asking like, why, what's the goal? What's the reason? And like, I think now I'm starting to understand it more. Like back then I had no idea, but like now that I'm getting more in tune with myself and like I've been through like a lot of healing in the past like two, three years, I believe that it's it's a part of, it's like the creative part of me or the ex- and the expressive part, the it's a part that like I haven't really been in tune with. And like, that's when I was starting to let it come out a little bit. And now as I'm learning more about myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm really grateful that I pushed through the beginning and to have what I have now, it's, it's really, it, I'm really proud of it and honored. Baruch Hashem. Can you begin just letting us uh, get to know you? Okay. So I grew up in Bar Park. My family was like, 
originally like my, my like my grandparents were all Satmar, like very, you know, like Williamsburg, Monroe. But my parents were never really like that. They moved to Bar Park and they were just like sort of mainstream Bar Park, not specifically affiliated with anything specific. So I went to like Munkach and I wasn't really part of the Hasidus. So like I didn't really have like a special treatment there. It was kind of like it was like it were just like we didn't really belong to anything specific. And people kept asking, like, so like, are you Satmar or this? And we were like, I was like, no, not really. And then as time went on, I think when I was around like, I think I would say like seventh grade, eighth grade. So that's probably like, no, it's younger. And maybe I was I was maybe around like th- 13 or 14. Um, my father became Chabad. But for me, I'm not sure how it started, but for me, it happened like overnight. I'm sure it wasn't overnight for him. And he was very like, this is the right thing. This is what we're going to do. This is what we believe in. And he sort of was like, oh, you see you're struggling in school. So like, why not go to like Gan Yisrael, which is in a bar park? And like, why don't you just like go to Chabad, go to Chabad, go to Chabad? And for me, I was like, what? Like, oh, well, I'm not doing that. Happened to be my other siblings were like in between schools or struggling or whatever. So they ended up in Chabad. But for me, I was like still in Munkach. So I stuck it out there for a couple of years. I had like a I had quite a few friends. I was pretty happy there. Although like the parents of my friends were always like, oh, she's not so from like us. Like, don't be her friend. And I co- sort of had like that like negative, like I felt like the principal didn't really like me because like my parents were, my father was Chabad. And like, I sort of like had that, like they're looking at me, they don't like me. But like I stuck it through and I had good friends and it was enough for me. And then when it came to high school, they were like, you have to find a different school because like your sister is in Lubavitch High School and we don't really want you to be there. We don't want you to like be in our school. Basically, they didn't accept me for high school. So I didn't really have a choice. I ended up going to Benos Menachem. And then it was really hard for me. Like I went from like having like so many friends to like having like no one. I mean, I don't think I had no one, but it felt like no one because... I felt so different. Like, I felt like I looked different. Everything was different. Like, everything. I felt so out of place. I ended up making, like, some friends, but they, it didn't feel like real friends. It felt like I was putting up a show or it felt like I was, I just wasn't really, I wasn't able to be comfortable. I had to, like, travel every single day. Like, I felt like I couldn't learn properly because my brain was just, like, anxious the whole time. Like, oh, do I have friends? Do I not? Do they like me? Do they not? So, like, I couldn't, like, really learn anything. So, like, I felt like I was, like, sitting through classes, like, for four years, like, just, like, nothing was going in. I was just learning for the test so that I could pass school, you know? So that was a really hard time. So that was, like, I think during high school was when I was, like, majorly becoming disassociated. I was angry. I was resentful. I was I was blaming. I was like, it's my father's fault for putting me this. It's 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 the school's fault for picking on me. The, and the, I felt like the principal was picking on me again, like, in this school also, like, I just was like in a place of like, I just want to run. Like, I just want to finish high school and just like leave and get out and just do what I need to do. So I sort of pushed through high school and eventually I graduated, thank God. Are there any specific days that if you were to slow down those four years, are there any specific days that you were like, okay, that was, that was a really, really hard day or that was a really hard week? I think I was just every day was so hard. Like every single test that I had was like so hard for me to study for. And like, it stressed me out. Every, every time I would like hang out with a friend, I would like from that, like from that school, I was like, she doesn't think I'm good enough. She doesn't like me. Like every single thing that I was doing was so hard for me. It was like every, nothing was comfortable. Nothing was easy. Nothing was at peace. Like everything was so hard. What thoughts or ideas or encouragement did you receive whether from yourself or from others that empowered you to stay? 
I think that my f- the friends that I had, as much as I was like, they they don't like me as much as they're saying they do, that I think they really did care and they did like see something in me and they did like really appreciate me. So it could be that it was that. It could be that it was, that was enough for that time to just stick it through. And like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even have like a thought of like dropping out or going. So I knew that this is what I had to do and this is what I do. And that I'm still like that till now. Like, I'm like, this is my job. This is my commitment. This is what I said I will do. And this is what I'm going to do. So whether I'm going to be anxious about it through doing it or whether I'm going to be okay doing it, I'm still going to be doing it. So I think that was my perspective a lot. Is there anything that was helpful in addition to having friends? Did you, I don't know, get, did you need a tutor? Did you need a, a mentor? Were there any teachers that really stood out for you that supported you? Not really. Mm-hmm. I really felt alone. I really didn't feel like there was like anything going on. Like that anyone, anyone had it out for me or like in a good way, you know? When you look back, did you feel alone in the world? Was it just in, during school? What was it like at home? What was it like after school? It felt like every day was a fight. It felt like every day I was, the world was out to get me and like destroy me for some reason. Like I, f- I felt so insecure and like so different and like less than and stupid. Like I had all those like just looking at everyone else, what everyone else has, like they have a regular Chabad upbringing and I don't, they have these kind of parents. I don't like just looking at everyone else constantly and comparing myself to other people and putting myself down for it. What conclusion did you come to regarding that? If everybody's different and I'm less than, then what? I think that I came to the conclusion that I have to work harder than most people. Like the fact that I have to commute every single day back then from like Crown Bar Park to Crown Heights and back, like I was like, that, I'm making such a big effort, and, but that's just what I have to do. Were there any other areas where you felt you compensated? Yeah, I just felt like I was always putting other people's needs first. Like I didn't even factor myself into the equation. It was all about like what the other person wanted. Were you already disassociated then? Very, I lo- it seems like it. I think so. Mm-hmm. I really believe so. It was like all about like do what you need to do, survive, try to have friends and try to prove that you have friends and that you're wanted and and try to make sure people see that you have friends so that you get validation. It was really about just like chasing other people. Mm-hmm. And were there any consequences of living that way? Yeah. Because eventually I just started going down a path that like I didn't necessarily want to be because I was, I found myself to start being less stringent on like Tineas and I started having, I started having less of like my own beliefs. I didn't have any of my own things that I stand for. Did you have them at a certain point and then they slowly drifted away? I think I was at an age where it would have like came out. I mean, I was, it was when I was like younger, I would say like 10 or 11, like how much of it, like, like how much of it is what would come out, you know, like I'm young, I'm still like in the system. I'm for the most part, like doing what I need to do, like family, school, come home, Mm -hmm. neighbors, you play with friends, you know, like that's about it. But like, I feel like at the age of high school or the age of like, I say 17 or 18 is like 
where you are supposed to be like accomplished, feeling accomplished and like doing things. Like I never felt like I wanted to be part of any like after school programs, any productions, any of these extra, they weren't really extra, all these, all those things, like it all just felt like now I have to now have so much more pressure. Like now I have to do that also. Like I can't just like go home and leave. Like I have to also stay later and do another two hours of this. Like it just felt so miserable. It felt so like, it felt like detached, but then also like I need to do it. It was like a catch 22. Then you ended up going to seminary and that was, that seemed to be a good thing. Yeah. You were happy about that. Yeah. So I was happy about that. And so that was a good year for me. I still reflect on it a lot. And I'm like, those are such good, that was such a good time. And I started, and I just realized that life is like, I, I, that's like what makes life. So that's what makes life. Like that we're able to like, look back at like things that good memories and things that made you a better person. Like for the example, like the Rosh Hashanah program, like as we started out, like that was something that like I look back on and I have good feelings towards that. And I feel like experiencing life is about making yourself those like vessels, making, putting yourself in those situations where you're able to like look back and be like, I'm so happy I did that. I feel so good about that. And like, that's, and that pushes you to keep moving forward and pushes you to keep making better decisions for yourself. Like so many times, like I've, I would do things that are not necessarily so comfortable. Cause like, you know, if let's say you're going to places and like, you don't, you don't necessarily want to go there. It's so much more, it's so much easier to just be in your comfort zone, but then you do it, you push through, and then you look back and you're like, I'm so happy I had that experience. So I think like re reflecting between the two things, um, I think in high school growing up, I like the high school and the growing up, I didn't have so many like happy memories. Maybe like as a child going to the bungalow colony, that was like fun. Um, but f like, I don't have so many things that I'm able to, that I'm able to just be like, that was so good. That was, I felt so good about that. So like, I think for me being able to, be in a place now of being in tune with that, like being like, that was good for me and I felt good about that. And that was not good for me. I don't feel good about that, but that doesn't necessarily make me anything. It doesn't, I don't have to become the thing. I don't have to become the circumstance. Like if I'm not having a good time, it doesn't mean I'm like, I'm not as good because I don't have a good time or I'm less than. What do you do today to determine whether something is good for you or not? How do you listen to yourself? Yeah. So I've done a lot of parts work, which is called IFS. It's it's really about speaking to yourself a lot. And it's about accepting parts of you that are there that don't necessarily serve you, maybe have served you in the past, but don't necessarily serve you in the moment. And sort of just accepting. Like I very often find myself, my brain to go to, I, would, I don't know if it's called a disassociated place, but like a place of like, it feels like I'm spacing out and it would be like a middle of an emotion, like a middle of like a question or a middle of, of something I'm supposed to be like, I'm supposed to be like, I should be being able to concentrate. I should be able to answer this question, but like, I find my brain just like sort of shutting down. And I think that's like a bit of a protector for me that my, that my body has like developed, um, to try to protect me. But then I found that to be also something that's stopped me from a lot of things in my life. So trying to accept the fact that like being, I guess more of like being aware that this is happening right now, your protector is showing up and it's trying to protect you, but really you're okay and you're safe and you're, you're able to accept that maybe this won't be such a good time for you. So it's, it's really about having that awareness. It's having that, it's, it's being able to look at yourself 
as your bigger self, not looking at yourself as like, this is the situation. I am the situation. Like, I guess like my high school year is looking back, like back then I thought like, I feel less than I am less than, but it's really not what it is. Like there's also so much of a bigger self and there's so much that I had to offer. Like I was, you know, being creative and being brave and being resilient. All those things are great. And like, I didn't look at that. I just looked at the like less than part and called myself less than because I was so not in tune with my bigger self. So now when I have these situations come up, I'm like, sometimes it takes a couple of days for me to be able to be like, Hey, that was a protector. It's not always like in the moment, but I think that, the reason why it doesn't really take over my life as much for like years and years, you know, it could be a day, hard days, definitely. But because, of, because I have this awareness and also a lot of support. Thank you for sharing that. When you look back, when did you notice that something was wrong? When did you notice that, you know, something's wrong? I, I, I need help or I need to do something about it. Pretty sure it started when I, when I was just like, I wasn't able to be in healthy friendships or I wasn't able to believe that people have my best interest in mind, um, that people, that people actually care about me. And so I was just pushing everyone away from me constantly. And it was, I was really burning all my bridges. And I would say this is probably around like five or six years ago. And I was just so unhappy. I was so like, I wasn't living in the moment. I was in my head the whole time. I was living in the past. I was like thinking about all the things that like have happened, that I'm doomed because of it. All those, all those like demons that show up. So I started with a therapist. Can you give us, just if you don't mind slowing down, can you give us some examples of like a relation, like how did, how did it actually play out in a specifically in your relationships? Starting with my parents, I felt like they didn't love me. I was like, there's no way you would love me because like I wouldn't have such a life if you did. And even as much as they would say, I was still like, I don't believe that and that's not true. And I had the same things with my friends. I was like, they would be like, oh, do you want to hang out? Or do you want to, they would invite me. And I was like, you have an agenda. You don't actually want to hang out with me. You want to hang out with someone else and they're not available. I just always wanted to twist it. My brain wanted me to believe that they really don't care about you. And really nobody cares about you. My brain was like a part, I guess I want to say my brain, but I would say a part of me was out to, a part of me was out to prove myself that like I'm not worthy, that I'm not strong and like I'm not loved. I wonder if that part was just fishing for somebody to like actually really prove that they love you. But then it was also pushing them away without even letting them prove it. So it was, I sort of realized that I was like in a bind of like, I want them to love me, but I also don't believe that they love me. And how did that affect your relationships very much so as in like i felt alone and i was like reenacting i was re-injuring myself constantly i was instead of just accepting me who i am and accepting my friend who they are i was just stuck in the mindset of like no like i'm not loved and they don't love me and they don't love me so invitations would just be 
let down like i'm just yeah. not i'm not coming no thank you i also would get into like arguments with my friends about like i would get really upset at them and they're and they're just like not sure like why i was upset definitely had some of those some of those friends that i met in seminary and they were very much i very much like put them through a test of like you know i've had like my stages with them of doubting their intentions and all that but like I'm really happy that they're still in my life and they, they've seen me come a long way. And they're actually my friends that are always like, yo, like you really worked on yourself. I see how self-doubt and, you know, low self-worth is playing itself out. How does disassociation play itself out? Or can you just describe like, what's the experience of disassociation? So I basically, I, I shut down where my brain, my brain just says that I can't handle this. And with that, it doesn't even say it. It just suddenly will take me from, it's doing it a lot during this thing for some reason. Like it's, I think it's afraid to go there. It's, it's protecting a lot of pain that I'm talking about here. And I'm getting doubts of like, am I even answering the questions and all that? It's coming up a lot. And I think bec like, because when I get those doubts, that's when it comes up. The, it's like, why don't, why don't I just like shut down and not say anything instead of saying the wrong thing. Like if I wasn't here recording anything, then I wouldn't be vulnerable, but because I am. So it's it's like, it still doesn't really trust me fully that I'm able to be here and stand up for myself. It's still thinking it needs to do its job. So that's why it's, it, it, it sort of sabotages my, my, my true essence. It, it sabotages my good parts, it takes it away. It, it makes me want to shut down. It makes me not want to talk to anybody. It makes it sort of makes takes me to like the other extreme of what I really want to be. So, what's something that we could do now that will be helpful? <laughs> Talking about it, meaning me accepting, me sort of calming down that part, being like, I do have this. I am able to be vulnerable and and be okay with it and accept it. Is it that easy? Meaning, is it that simple or does that part, like, do you have to check in with that part to see if it actually believes you, <laughs> trusts you? I guess we'll see if it stops or not. Okay. But yeah. So I'll, I'll do my best to honor that. <laughs> Thank you. What are other ways that disassociation had affected your life? Because you, you described how it is like with your friends. I'm wondering, like, once you left seminary, if you got work, like, did it affect your work and in what ways? It definitely affected every aspect of my life. So it also affected the fact that I didn't really feel a connection to Yiddishkeit at all. How, how did that happen? Like, what's the connection in between, like, feeling less than or disassociation and Yiddishkeit? I think it just happened because I... I wasn't in tune with myself. I was very based on other people. And when there's, it's always about other people and other people's feelings. There's no like Yiddishkeit religion, my connection to Hashem involved in that. I just, I, di I didn't leave space for that. I didn't allow myself to really tune into myself because I know at my core self is I want to be from and I want to be, I love Chabad, I love all that. But because I was not in tune with, with any of of me it was it was sort of like neglected how did it help you like what what was pulling you away from Yiddishkeit the less I have to feel or deal with the easier it was for me to just survive like the less I now I don't have to think about if I care about this or not I just don't I'm not I'm not going there so it was sort of a protector 
So I went to Chabad High School, and during that time, I really wasn't really connected to it because I was just on survival mode. And then I would say within the past like four or five, more like three, I would say like three years, I I really started finding a true connection to it. And from my core self of like, I've come to the point where I was really doing a lot of work on myself. I've done like retreats and a lot of therapy and a lot of like mastering me, my Instagram account has also really helped me. It's grown with me. So through that is I was able to find more of a, a connection with myself. And then when I was able to connect to myself, I was able to be in tune with what makes me feel good. And I was like, you know, I really feel good when I'm in Shul on Shabbos morning and davening, you know, and I really feel good when I keep Shabbos or when I dress more tzneas or when I am involved in, 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 um, Yiddish kite. And when I, so lately I've also like been able to go to Fabringen's and be able to celebrate like Yamim Taivim. And also I really connect to Nagunim and Jewish music. So that is what I've been able to discover because I've been able to put so much of like my coping mechanisms aside. And even if it still comes up sometimes and like tries to take away from me because it still thinks it needs to do that, I, I have more of things that I enjoy. Like I'm able to be like, I know that like if I'm having a hard day, I'll just watch, I'll go on Gem TV and watch some like things that the rabbi spoke about on that day and I'll connect to it and I'll be like, hey, that was enough for me. Or some days I'll just literally sit at work and write to the Igros the whole day. Cause I'm like, rabbi help me, rabbi help me, rabbi help me. And I'm like, you know what? That's better than trying to go and give into coping mechanisms of like disassociation and feelings of hopelessness. like. You know, like it's, it's really, it's, it's a better place to be. And you're not really giving the, they're not really having the, the driving seat, you know, they're like, they're, maybe they're still there. Maybe they're in the back seat, but they're not really, they're not the driving force. They're not like running your, they're not like really running anything for you. You're basically doing the work. What was the breaking point that got you to even seek help? I don't know if there was like an actual breaking point. Some days I wake up and I'm like, today is a breaking point. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know if I can like, if I, I never really had to like, um, like for the most part I was able, I held on a job and I was able to finish high school. I was able to finish seminary. I was sort of able to like do the mainstream things and like sort of cover up my mental health a lot. Also, like, I feel like three or four years ago, I wasn't so accepted to talk about mental health and it wasn't like a thing people were doing really. So I didn't even think that it was, there was an alternative. I didn't think that this was not how I had to feel. So I sort of just eventually, eventually I was like, I was saying before, like realizing that I was, I was really hurting my friends and I really was like angry at a lot of people. And I was just like upset, angry at myself. And I was like, so I just started going to therapy and then that therapist led to another therapist. How did you even find the therapist? So you at begin? that time, my sister was seeing a therapist and I was like, can I just go see your therapist? She was like, sure. So I went to her therapist and her, she was really not such a good therapist. And I was just like, Hey, this is I'm, I, that mentality then was like, this is what I have to do. This is what I'm doing. So I went to her for like a full year. I don't think she even helped me at all, but I think she opened up the idea of like therapy for me. And that led to another therapist and then I ended up going on like a mental health retreat who they recommended like a different therapist and then and then eventually I just ended up with therapists that I really enjoy that I really like and it's it's also it's also there's so much more than therapy like for me like I've been on two retreats about like mental health and over there it's like you have the support of so many women that are healing 
and there's so it's so healing it's so like recently i was in utah actually also on another retreat and there was like for girls that like i've been through a lot of trauma and it was so healing to be able to just laugh with them like we would laugh about our trauma we were just we were able to just like be so easy about it and be so light about it you know we don't really don't have to be defined by our traumas like they're really they're a part of they're a part of us yeah they're there yeah it happened and it's hard but we also have so much more going for us you know we have all these people and these connections and these friends and this community and hashem and spirituality and like there's just so much grayness out there and you know that's really what is the driving force like that's really what it is and, and of course and when we're in pain we don't see any right. of that we right. don't see any of that that's true how did you know like when you found the right therapist, you're like, okay, this person is good for me. And how did you choose, to, like, how do you choose which retreat to go to? Um, I think one thing leads to another thing. Like this first retreat that I went on was called Fresh Start. Um, so that retreat, I met people there and they recommended that I try this other retreat, which was like two years later, which is in Utah. And like the first retreat actually recommended a therapist. And then that I ended up seeing that therapist and he was really good. He was a really great therapist, but then I ended up moving on to someone else and I'm still with her. And I think at the time that we feel that a therapist is right for us is when we just feel better. Like we feel, we feel good. Like so many times I've been to therapy in the past and I'm like, this is really not working. This is really not helping. And I think a lot of it maybe was me fighting it. Maybe I was like not ready to change. I wasn't ready to just give up my, my surviving mechanism. It was really what I thought I needed to in order to survive. Like it was like, it was either this or not surviving. So why would I listen to someone who's like, oh, you think you have to let loose a little bit? And I'm like, oh, what? No. So it was just, I think that there was, I had a time for that. And maybe that therapist that was for then. But I think eventually we need to allow ourselves to heal. We need to allow like the words to sink in. Otherwise, like no one's going to, nothing's going to go through. Like they're just going to put up a wall and then that's it. No therapist could really help. So I think it's both. I think it's being open and having somebody that is helping you move forward. And if it's, if the, if the therapist's not helping, then we just have to keep looking. There is, there is someone out there to help everyone, I, th I believe. What does your support system look like today? First of all, myself, like I, I want to just, I want to, I, I try to like applaud myself and be proud of myself and motivate myself. How do you do that? Speak to your parts. Like you speak, you really speak to your inner child and it really helps. It really, like this other day I was like, I went to the gym and after this, I felt like really good. I was like, oh, I feel so good about myself. I really don't want to go on my phone yet. So sometimes I'll do that. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I don't want to go on my phone, but I'll just still go on my phone. Um, but this time I was able to be like, I don't want, I'm going to ask my child, my inner child, if she wants to let me have like three hours on my phone and then I'm going to, and then we'll go on my phone. And I asked her and it was fine. Like, I really felt like I was able to do it. So I think that like when we, like when I'm able to be in tune with my inner child, like speak to her, which also has taken a lot of work. Cause like, it took me a long time to find this person that was like hurting me inside, you know? But once you like release, like you sort of release them, you sort of just like get in tune with them and you... And you, and you sue them, like you're, you work with them instead of like fighting with them. So, and they they really do want the best for themselves and for you. So you kind of work together as a team. And then, so that's my, that's, um, I try to be a supporter of myself and sometimes I'm not able to be there for myself. So I have other people, like my father is a really big support, my family, my mom, my siblings, I have really good friends that I push away still, but like are still really there for me. And yeah, community. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm wondering if there's any more parts of your story that you feel like you want to share. 
do you have like a daily routine or like do you have is there any is there any routines in your life like are you seeing a therapist on a weekly basis or you know do you see any support groups on a, on a continuous basis do you have any morning routines that you do speaking of routines lately i've been having a really hard time sleeping like i could wake up in the middle of the night and like for the first week it's really made me so miserable i was like this is my new life i'm doomed like i was like freaking out and the whole day was obviously like a, a horrible day Right. And this is similar to what you were saying earlier, like we can go through feelings and we don't need to necessarily come to the conclusion that that's us. Yeah. Like I could be feeling disassociated, but I am not necessarily disassociated or I feel less than it doesn't mean I am this than. Right. right. 100%. So today, yeah, you're saying you're having <laughs> a, a hard time sleeping. So I have a hard time sleeping and I... And I, and like right away, my brain goes to like, Hey, this is like your new life. Now you have to deal with this new struggle. Um, but then obviously my father put me in contact with someone who does Sarna method and he was saying, he's like, just don't let your brain take you to like doomsday. Like, don't let it just tell you that it's, that this is your new life. Like, just don't let it control you. If you're not sleeping, then don't sleep and nothing's going to happen to you. If you're tired, nothing's going to happen to you. It was sort of like, it was sort of like how I'm always like, yeah, obviously I'm able to like be all like in a good mood when everything feels fine, you know, but like when things don't feel fine, like I'm like, oh, this is so horrible. So then it was sort of like, it was sort of like giving me a, like a reminder to be like, yeah, so that's hard. And maybe sleep, waking up middle of the night is not really so exciting, but you're okay. Like you're safe, you're healthy, you're, you're fine. And you don't necessarily control whatever happens to you, but you do get to choose how you react to it. So sometimes, I, so I'm still waking up and then during the night, I'm able to just like tell myself, okay, I don't need to sleep. It's fine, whatever it is, and sort of accept it. And then being able to, some, some days I'm, I fall back asleep and some days not, but I'm really not letting it, I'm not thinking about it throughout the day. I'm no longer obsessing over, over these things that are these neg these negativity because like we know ourselves like we know that like when we obsess over negative feelings do we feel good like no not really but like when we when we are able to not let it not let it take over like just be like okay yeah you didn't sleep so well and it's okay and sort of just being able to accept certain things that are happening what if you have a hard time accepting <laughs> then you sometimes you have to also allow time like you don't necessarily have to accept everything right now like it's you don't have sometimes it's it's okay for you to just be in in pain and upset and sad and i think that we're afraid of certain feelings like sometimes i i i feel afraid of like feeling pain i'm like i would avoid it at any cost like to just not feel like i'll listen to music that's so loud just so that it's louder than my thoughts you know like I will do anything, but then when I actually do feel the pain, like when I went to a retreat in Utah, there was this class that we were all sitting in and it was so triggering. Like I felt like every bone in my body wanted me to run. Like I was like, get out of this thing, you cannot handle it. And it was just like, my brain was like slowly shutting down. I was like, get out, get out, get out. But lately when I started shutting down, I don't let myself shut down. Like I'm like, hey, just like I breathe. I like take a moment and I'm like, hey, Is I'm that back. You don't let yourself shut down or you like, you work with yourself? Yeah, I sort of like wake myself up. I like now I used to not be able to have that awareness that I'm even shutting down. I guess now I'm able now I realize it. So I'm like, okay, like I'm back. Like I'm able to just like like no, I want to be here. Like no, I want to be active. Like I listen to something and I'll keep like checking like, oh, how much longer is left? How how boring is this? This is so boring. But then I'll be like, no, I actually want to hear what it has to say and like I'll like tell myself like I'm I'm here, you know? And it ha happens 100 times and I do it 100 times. So, what I was saying is that I was in Utah 
and I felt myself like shutting down. And then I was like, no, I actually want to be here. And I chose to be here and I want to be present. So I sat through the class and I like let myself feel the feelings. And I was, I was really sad and like, I was crying through it. And I was like, you know, it's okay. I'm proud of you for like sitting through the class and being able to do it and not shutting down and running. And I had, like, I was like, it's, I don't need to feel shame that like I'm crying about it, you know? So I was, that was like a moment of like, you know, that's feeling and then they're shutting down. And I was like happy that I chose the, I chose the, I felt like I did the right, I, I felt, it felt like the right thing. Cause I personally felt like when you feel that's when you, that's when you're, you're, you're good, you know? Right. Most of our ex actual experience of life happens in our emotions when we let ourselves feel. That's when we remember and experience what we're remembering is ultimately, yes, the visuals, yes, the sounds, but I think that it's mostly in our emotions, like our internal experience. Yeah. I think that's also what I was saying before is that I'm able to connect to, to things, to good feelings now. Like I'm able to be like, that was a really good experience. That was something really helpful to me. And it's because I'm allowing myself to feel, you know, if I was mm -hmm. only doing things in my comfort zone, then that would also be a certain type of feeling, but it doesn't really give you that like newness or like that, like new experience or that new, that new like test and then being able to accomplish it and like what that empowerment that it gives you. So when you do that, it really gives you it, it gives you like these great emotions. And like, I feel like that's a lot of what life is about. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of these retreats that are starting to pop up yeah. in different places, which I'm excited about. I'm wondering what you would say to somebody who hasn't been to any retreat and is scared. The only thing that they've experienced is maybe one-on-one -on -one therapy. What does a retreat offer you? Like, what's your experience? Like what, what does a retreat offer you that, individual therapy doesn't and how do you overcome your concerns of fear or money or things that get in the way so a lot of it is fellowship like a lot of it is is the having each other and the camaraderie. camaraderie yeah we have we have these like you have these special bonds with these people like you're coming to a place of like true vulnerability of tr people that are coming there are, are like open that they're struggling or open that they're and they're in pain and they're willing to work. There's a lot of different stages of that. There's stage of like, I'm not yet ready to heal. There's stage of like, I'm still shy and I'm still have a lot of shame. And there's a stage of like, my will to heal is bigger than, than my other two my stages. Fear. My fear is exactly, it takes over. So I think for me, that's, that is what it was. So, um, if it was about money, I would just have people, I, I would just figure it out. You know, I'm not like rich, but like I was able to just, this is what I wanted to do. And that was what, that is what I felt I needed to do. And I couldn't let it stop me. So you really, you get to these places and you see these people that are, they're so beautiful. There's so many beautiful souls and they're so open. And, and it's, it really, it really gives you a taste like of life. Like it gives you a taste of like true connection and true bond. And like, there's no, people are not putting walls up. People aren't succumbing to their shame or any of that people are really just being authentic and you really learn a lot from other people like this in fresh start this um retreat in, in detroit they have um it's they don't have any one-on-one -on -one therapy everything is group therapy so they it, it will it's five people the whole thing so each person will have their one-on-one -on -one, but in the group setting 
-hmm. So they're learning. You're really, you're really seeing everyone's like whole story and like you literally crying with them and like feeling their feelings and like every part is so relatable to everyone. And like, you also, you're like, it's so like eye opening and so awakening so many parts of it. It really gives you like, it changes your life. It changes your perspective. But it needs to be in the right time because I know that for me, like if it was three, four, five years ago, I it wouldn't change me. It, I wouldn't feel it probably. It'd probably just like roll right off of me. I wouldn't, you know, like now when I go into like seven seventy and I see dancing, it like uplifts me, like takes me to a new realm, you know, because like, that's that's where I'm at. That's what I'm appreciating. This is like I'm aligned with it. Mm-hmm. So it's not, obviously not everyone's at that stage. So like, but it's about being honest with yourself, being open, being being like in tune beautiful is there any last like messages you'd like to share before you go there's so many times that i i felt so helpless like i was like nobody could help me like a therapist would say something and i'll be like oh like i that's not helping me this person is not helping me like like just getting to the point of I, I feel like there's a world and there's me like just there's the world's not for me, you know, like that whole like that my, the whole like mindset of like, I'm always going to be like this, like all of my troubles are going to follow me everywhere. Oh, like a lot, just like a lot of pain and a, like every everything like all together, like a mix of like helplessness, pain, just like a lot of hard feelings. And then being able to work through it's it's more of being able to it's really having the courage and really a lot of hashem's guidance like i cannot do it without i mean not that literally goes without saying but like it's so divine everything that's happened to me like how one person led to the other and like how i have all these people in my life you know because i was open to it because i was i was i was allowing myself i was surrendering to what I thought life had to be or what I thought I had to feel, what I believed was the right thing. Or, you know, there is no, like, life is not like black and white. You know, you have to pave your own path and create your own, sing your own song, you know? Find your song and like, you know, go after, do it, do it. Live your song, be your, be your, be your song, be your light. And there really is no place for pain in that. Like there is a different part that could hold pain, but in the wholeness of a person, in the in the light, that's light. And every person has that within themselves. So what does somebody do when they feel like their therapist is not helping them, their friends, you know, what do you do? Just you don't give up. And you never know when, who will be the right person that will help you. You just keep going. You know, giving up is, is permanent. Keeping, keep going is, it's, you always have a new chance. Like you always have like a new opportunity. You never know what tomorrow will bring. You never know who the right person will be. It's not, we really never know. Like, I didn't know I was going to be here today, you know, seven years ago, five years ago or last year. And here I am. So, you know. I didn't think I was ever going to be able to heal. I was like, no, this is my life. Like that's it. Shem wants me to suffer. But I didn't, I didn't like give up. I didn't like, I didn't surrender to that. I only surrendered to like parts where I had to surrender in order to heal. That'd be my message to never give up. And there's, you know, tomorrow's always a new day and there's, there's always a fresh start. 
No pun. No pun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much on behalf of us all at Nishamas and in our community and in case anybody doesn't get to thank you personally, thank you very much for for sharing your experience, your strength, and your hope. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Please join us for the next episode of the Nishamas podcast. This is Mashadav Khanan. This podcast is a community endeavor, and we rely on your support. For more information on sponsoring an episode, or to share your feedback, email us at podcast at nashamas.org.